Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. Today we continue our coverage of San Diego-based Afghan evacuees. The Afghan government fell to the Taliban on August 15th. A frantic two-week evacuation began, and in all, more than 122,000 people, including Afghan allies and Americans, were able to leave. My colleague Laura Castaneda conducted this interview. Laura is the community opinion editor at the UT and is a longtime broadcast journalist. Here's her interview. So I'm speaking with Aria, who's a San Diego native in her 30s, a graduate student who um, grew up here in San Diego, but recently went back to Afghanistan to start a photography school for girls. Hi, Aria, and thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us. Thank you for having me, Laura. Um, I know that this you're still very traumatized over what's happened, and I don't want to bring up um, too much ill will for you, but I do hope that people will hear firsthand, your firsthand account of what you've been through. And I want to start off by asking you to tell us about the school, if you can. Like, why were you in Afghanistan in the first place? Tell us a little bit about the school. Well, number one, I've always supported the U.S. mission in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, I had a lot of loyalty and faith in American mission in Afghanistan, number one. Number two, I've always had this passion and I had this uh, um, passion and compassion and I had this dream to make an impact and a difference in the lives of Afghan children because they've been through a lot. Uh, they've been through a lot of, you know, suffering and trauma and war. So I wanted to do something. I wanted to give back. I wanted to, you know, so I went back, uh, you know, I started using photography, which is my passion to start children and I started handing them a camera and I saw the impact it was making. Like I would see these kids that were in this stressful situation, whether it was lack of education, child marriage, poverty, or, you know, uh, like being displaced because there was a conflict between the Taliban and the forces, you know, the U.S. forces and the Afghan um, forces. So they were, you know, they taking refuge in Kabul and outskirts of Kabul, me handing them a camera. I see it was giving them hope. It was bringing joy to them, you know, laughter. So from there, I got really close to these kids. You know, getting close to these kids, I would find out what they want. And what they want was a school. They wanted education. They just desperately, passionately wanted education. So it's like, what can I do? How can I establish a school for them? And I saw an opportunity. There was a container. So I used this container and I turned it into a classroom. And I was working on building two classrooms around the container. Uh, I hired, you know, three teachers and you know, once the kids start going to school, the parents were so thankful. Like every day they would thank me. That's all they wanted was a simple school so they could, their kids could have access to simple first grade, you know, education. Okay, and, so now I'm talking. Yes. And this, this whole time that you're, you know, doing the school for them and, you know, teaching the kids and the kids are coming back and forth from home to school. What was the surrounding area like? Was it dangerous? Were you starting to see things unfold? Was, you know, were you? No, my God. It's like 
people would see these images and the media here. It's really, even though when I was leaving my school to take my thesis there for, you know, they like were concerned. I was like, it's nothing like what you see on TV. Um, yeah, sure. You know, at times it was dangerous and scary because, you know, the bad people would sneak in and they would do bad things. But overall, you know, I mean, uh, when I went to the camp, the people were so generous. They were so kind and they were so protective of me. Uh, the surrounding is just is like really what I saw was a lot of poverty, a lot of poor people, forgotten people, voiceless people. Uh, so these people have been, you know, displaced. They're called internally displaced because, you know, there's war and conflict in their provinces and they had escaped to Kabul to escape, you know, the war and the Taliban. And unfortunately, uh, you know, the things, how things unfolded, like what I remember, it literally took within hours, within hours, like within, like literally hours, like a minute. It was so fast that the Taliban took over. And I could literally remember that day. And, you know, I went to, I went to the school and coming back from the school, from the camp, there's massive cars, there's bumper to bumper, there's people running in different directions, there's people inside their cars, they had like, you know, their clothes, their, you know, um, everything, like, They had, had their belongings them. and they were trying to run. Is that yes. what you were seeing? Yeah, so they had their belongings, there's a lot of cars and a lot of people on foot. And uh, I was with my driver and and then I see a tank and there's a guy with long hair. And I was like, we looked at each other. We're like, oh my God, what's going on, you know? And then we had one more person with us in the car that day. And then he was like, he went inside his, you know, his phone and he started talking to people. He said, the Taliban are inside Kabul. The Taliban are taking over. Because this whole time my driver told me that there's no way the Taliban could take over Kabul. And he's like, Arya, don't worry. They're never going to take Kabul because the population of Kabul is too much. They are against them. Uh, they don't want them. And also, you know, we have army. We have trained army. Uh, and I've seen the Afghan army. They were really great people. I mean, I've gotten to know a lot of, you know, I've come across a lot of Afghan army. I mean, they were just really, really, really good people. And now that I hear a lot of people saying, oh, why didn't they fight? It's because they were trapped. Mm -hmm. The Afghan people were tricked. The Afghan army were trapped. And they have no idea because they were not there. They didn't witness it. So once, you know, like uh, the person that was in the car with us, um, he works for a news channel so you know he knows like he's very fast with his social media and he's like the taliban are here and, and i was and i still couldn't believe it and then the the more we went away from the camp the more we were going driving towards the city it's like we see people running in different directions so and, at like, that point what did you say to each other you know we have to get out or were you not thinking that you really were going to be you know trapped and and racing to get to the airport well, this happened, like, by the time we got to my place, it was, it took four hours. So it was like five or six o'clock. I was exhausted. I was tired. And this is just like, I saw people running in different directions and the news was coming. I saw one Taliban inside a tank, but I didn't see massive Taliban. Like, I didn't see them everywhere. I just saw people running in different directions. 
and there's massive people and it took us forever because we were stuck like we couldn't go left we couldn't go right we just had to find a way to get to my place my driver had to get me to my place safely so once you got to your place safely wh at what point did you decide i need to go i need to try to go i need to get myself out of here i still had no idea that massive taliban this is what happened so i go i'm still thinking like no, like, this cannot be happening. Like, there's no way. Maybe there's, like, one or two. Maybe, like, you know, something's going to change. Maybe, like, you know. Uh, but I was panicked, and I was scared, and I was terrified. And then, like, I get it. And this is, like, you know, um, within, like, hours. So I'm sitting in my apartment. I'm in my room. I'm like, what do I do? I go on. Okay, like, I go on Facebook not knowing if I'm going to get the help, not knowing if someone's going to hear me, not knowing if people are going to know the situation, that the Taliban are actually here. The minute that I got really terrified was, like, when I got a call saying the Taliban are inside your building, your apartment. And then so I thought if they knock at my door, if they start raiding the apartment, that's it. Like, I'm done. I start screaming. And, and then in the middle of the night, there's like, uh, I thought it was rockets. So I thought, like, what if the house, what if the apartment gets hit? And I was freaking out. I was freaking out. I was crying. And so the next day, I called my five o'clock in the morning. I told my taxi driver, I was like, you got to take me to the airport. He said, oh, yeah. He's like, do you know that the checkpoint in front of your apartment is taken by the Taliban? Do you know there's Taliban everywhere on the street right now? Do you know that every uh, ANA, ANP, which is the Afghan army checkpoints and their uniforms and their weapons are taken by the Taliban? And he said, do you know that? And I'm like, no. I'm like, I don't know. I didn't know this. And I'm like, then you have to come and pick me up. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't know if you can make it to the airport. I'm like, no, you have to come and take me. He said, okay, because he's so loyal, like he's such a good person. He came and then so uh, he drove me a little bit and he said, Arya, get out of the car now. Just run, just run, just go, just go. And he dropped me out at the air, like on the street, not knowing like what's going to happen. And he had to make that decision. Like we had to take that risk and chance. And then I see Taliban and I see massive people like running back and forth because people are getting shot and I'm walking towards the airport. I see Taliban and I'm a girl, you know, I'm by myself. It was frightening. So I see these people. I had this feeling in my heart that these are good people, like they will take care of me. I just like hit myself. I went so fast. I started walking next to them. I was like, please help me. He said, yes, of course. He said, come. They literally took me under their wing. And they just pretended like I was with them. So, you know, we're like a family. So they took me all the way. Um, so we kept walking and walking. And, it, you know, it was a 40-minute walk from my place. But it was taking way longer. Probably we walked like two hours because there's so many people. And, um, you know, by the time we get there, you know, there's gunfires. There's people getting shot. You know, there's people climbing the walls. There are people like getting shot by, you know, like people that were climbing. I mean, there's a girl that had blood in her. And um, so, you know, people are like, don't go further. Don't go further. Don't go. But I'm like, I got to find the Americans. But the Americans were nowhere to be found, like nowhere. All I see is the Taliban. And it was frightening that it was so up close and personal. 
And so by the time I get to the airport, you know, there, there's no, and then so we kind of hit ourselves because there's a lot of gunfire, there's a lot of shooting, and people are actually getting hurt. So we hit ourselves against the wall, and that's where, like, you know, this family gave me access to Wi-Fi, and I've called a girl that was helping me in the U.S., and I said, there's no, U-. I'm like, where are the U.S.? Where are, because they were telling her the U.S., are there to help the U.S. citizens and people with U.S. passports. That's what they're telling her. And I'm telling her, I'm like, there's no U.S. Like, I don't see U.S. military. I don't see them. I don't see them. Where are they? And where's the gate? Where's the gate? Like, which gate do I go to? And, and she said, were you afraid to show your U.S. passport? Were you afraid for anybody to know that you were American? Of course. Of course. I mean, I was afraid of so many things. I was afraid of so many. First of all, I'm a girl, you know, and you know and being alone and also like having a u.s passport and then you know also all these checkpoints is pretty terrifying so uh for me you know like i passed the airport because i was like no i told the family i gotta find the u.s troops i gotta find them so we even passed the main gate uh of the somehow you know they helped me because they really wanted to help me get to where i needed to go and i told them you know i'm like i have a u.s passport like so and then they kept walking me further and there was no way there was like this huge wall but it was the next day i tried to escape three times it was the next day that i got a map you know it's like in a different direction it's in a different street it's not the main gate and the next oh i this, the first day, you know, it didn't work. So I had to come back and it took me like hours for the family to get me back at my place. And where did, oh, you went all the way back to your place. So you didn't try to sleep anywhere near the airport. You just went no. back to your place. Oh my God. It was so dangerous. Like they were shooting, they were firing. Uh, and they didn't care who had hit, who had killed. So um, it was it was not possible to, you know, it was very high risk. It was very frightening and scary to sleep at the airport. So no. And so how long was it? How many days or hours before you finally were able to get past, you know, the wall, get past the security, get past anybody that was finally be able to help you? Oh, that's the second day. So the second day. Uh, I finally, it was a different gate. It was like with the military side, it was a camp uh, and there was a U.S. base that was behind the, you know, and it was a disaster. It was a disaster. Like I was getting crushed and like there's, uh, the door was closed. It was a very, um, it was a huge big wall that you had to climb. It was, I don't know if it was a wall, it was a door, it was massive. And there was one U.S. soldier sitting on top and he had a gun and there's like these other people in front of it. But at that day, like I didn't see a lot of Taliban. It was the third day that, you know, there was like these people that were, it was, it was just, it was really chaotic. It was just like, okay, the second day I got myself close to the wall and, uh, it, it, it was just impossible to climb over the wall. It was just like, and I was getting squished by a lot of people. I couldn't breathe. Um, it was massive people, and they're trying to climb over. And actually, there's a woman that the only woman that climbed over. I saw her there, like you know, she, I know she was able. But after that, it was just getting impossible. 
and they stopped and they kept shooting. It was the third time that I went that there was like these men, you know, the Taliban there, uh, dressed some of them in A&P uniform and some of them had their, you know, beards and they, they were just like, they were hitting everybody. They were hitting the women, they were hitting the children, they were hitting the men. And some of them had rifles and, you know, I was, uh, I, I, I just thought like, there's no way, like, you know, I'm seeing this, I'm, I'm seeing these men that have like, you know, they're hitting, like, you know, and I used to see it on TV. And then, so I was like, look, I have a U.S. passport because I know supposedly they made negotiations. He started running after me with his stick to hit me. And then like, I went back inside the crowd. It hit me. He hit me and I started running inside the crowd. And then I was like, I came out, I came out, I saw my driver and I was like, you know, we're both running. I was like, come on, like, let's go on the other side. We went on the other side and there's this man, like he came with his rifle and he started beating my driver. And I started screaming because I didn't want nothing bad to happen to him. Like he has a wife and children. And then I thought maybe he would not do anything to me. And then he starts running at me with his rifle to hit me. And I start just running inside the crowd and I hit myself inside the crowd. And then finally, like I was pushing, I was pushing, you know, and my driver was like, you can't do this, Arya. Like you can like, you know, and I'm like, no, like I have to. And then I called a special agent uh, in the U.S. And I'm like, look, I'm showing my passport. I'm so close to the gate. They won't let me in. And he said, just keep pushing. Don't turn around. Just keep going. And then um, so I had uh, and I, I did. And I keep, you know, and then like they even took my passport and they just handed it back to me. And, they, and I'm like, please, I was crying and I was begging. I was like, please let me in. Please let me in. You know, like I'm a U.S. passport. I was just so terrified because I'm a girl, you know, I was just like terrified of this new group, like being on my own. And I, it was just like, for me, like, I was like, like, I don't have a choice. Like I gotta, you know, and so I finally got in and when I got in, you know, the people were pretty nice, the U.S. soldiers and, you know, it was like totally different. It was like, it's like you pass like one line, there's chaos, like chaos people getting shot at, people, like, you know, getting injured. And at one point, they threw, like, a smoke bomb, mm. and it went off, and it hit this baby and the father. And, you know, and it was terrifying. It was scary. It was very sad. It was heartbreaking. And then the minute, like, once you're able to pass, there's another wall. Once you go behind that wall, then it's like everything is calm. Like, once you hit the U.S. military, it's like a different world, like, it's completely different, you know, and people were actually that were getting beat up to get inside the few people that did all of a sudden their kids were just like relieved. The families were relieved, you know? So the wall was the separation of the violence. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. So fast forward a little bit, you, you get through the processing station and you board a plane. How many people are on the plane with you and what was the atmosphere like on the plane? I mean, there's this one lady that kept crying. I mean, most of people are calm. I think they were relieved. Because when I was outside, even the first day, the second day, people are just terrified. You see so much fear and terror on their faces. 
And, you know, like, I saw one woman that was inside, you know, people that, you know, that was crying really bad because her family, she got separated. Her family couldn't get in. She was able to get in, but her family couldn't. I don't think she had proper documentation. But everybody else just seemed, like, really shocked and calm. They were Mm. just relieved, you know. They were just relieved that they made it. And then you said that you flew out of Kabul and you ended up where? We went to Doha. Doha is a place where, you know, they have given safe heaven to Taliban. That's where they have an office in Doha. So that's where we had to go to Doha. And you were inside a very hot tent for a couple yeah, of days? Yeah, and yes. So uh, I was inside this tent and, you know, the people are very nice like the Americans that were there, they're doing their best, the soldiers. And, but there's a lot of people. And I think at the end, there's only five or six U.S. citizens. Like Mm -hmm. as far as us, like whether we were visiting or not, we were able to get out. There's a lot of contractors from the U.S. that got out. There was a lot of people that work for nonprofits, but um, most of the Afghans, they had to stay. So I'm not sure what's going to happen to them. I know that there's a lot more that we could talk about, Arya, and I know that you're um, really quite traumatized over everything that you've just been through. But just to set the record straight here, what do you want people here in San Diego to know about what happened and what can they do to help? What can they do to help? Oh, my God, there's so much I want to say that. It's like, please, you know, every life matters. I mean, there there are people just like you. If you go to, if you meet those people, you see the generosity in them and the love they have for each other, for their families. Why are we sitting silent? Why are we watching this happen? Why are people so quiet? When the Me Too movement happened, everybody came together. Why can we come together? Like, I know Afghans are having, coming together, maybe like 50 people, 100 people. We cannot, like, people, like, they cannot do it alone. Uh, You know, how could people just let a crisis like this happen or see and just sit silently? Like, this is like, to me, this reminds me of Vietnam and at least in the 60s people just came together uh, so I and there's a lot of judgment they don't know what happened they're saying you know, their army didn't fight or their people you know I see a lot of negative comments it's like how cruel can humanity like humans like how cruel could people be when they make those comments like you know, I see a lot of negative comments about, you know, but I see a lot of good people. I see a lot of kind people. I see a lot of kindness. So let the kindness and the light take over. Because if we sit quiet right now, they have in Afghanistan, they have massive equipment that is left behind, you know, by the U.S. troops. They have a hold of it. So this is not a security, now this is a security threat. For everyone, this is pretty scary. And like people used to uh, just watch what was on TV and, you know, media is always biased, but now it's real. Like now I'm even scared. So, Mm -hmm. well, uh, again, I know that, um, 
you know, I saw that you were posting some videos and then all of a sudden everything went dark. And I think people here were really worried for you. And I'm just uh, grateful that you were able to get out, thankful and thankful that you were willing to talk to, to us about it so that we can share your experience with San Diegans. And uh, I think in the coming days, we'll be hearing more about what the community do to what the community can do rather to support the refugees that may end up coming here. So um, thank you again, Aria, and I hope that you get some rest and take care of yourself. Thank you, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it for giving me this chance to speak. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. For more coverage, go online to sandiegouniontribune.com. We'll be back tomorrow.